everybody. Welcome to the 59th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, why does LSS hate us personally and not only buff the heroes that we want to to make them broken all the time? And clearly, after Brian came on our podcast, he emergency errated all of the Bolton cards and said that Bolton can't be good because I hate Roger now. Why, why did that happen? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's not what happened. That's not what happened. No, no. Oh. I think LSS actually like you know I was like maybe LSS doesn't like us. They gave us both a spoiler card. That's pretty cool. We got two spoiler cards. Yeah, that was crazy. That's twice as many as last time, and our spoiler cards were like sick, right? Yeah, I think I got like one of the best bowling cards in the set. So thank you, Alex. That was that was awesome. Yeah. And- I think I got a pretty powerful Runeblade card. It's definitely going to be very good in Viscerai. I think it'll be good in Vincent, though the jury's still out on that one. Yeah, the jury's still out in Vincent. She's a tough, tough cookie to crack, hey? Yeah. Do you want yeah, that? She is. I guess, do we just jump right into it then and just talk about Vincent from the new Dust Till Dawn set? Vincent, sure. Dust Till Dawn set? Sure. So. So Vincent's, abil- Vincent's ability of banishing a card at the start of turn, you get one rune chant. You banish ideally one of these rune gate cards, and then you have more rune chants. So you can play it for free. Um, I think like the fail state of like banishing a two cost rune gate card, making one rune chant, and then pitching a full blue to activate grasp, and then playing the 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 rune gate card. That's like a two card eight, which isn't. Um, it's not a bad floor for a turn. That's still a wounded bull. But you need to be able to do reasonably better than that on your big turns or have um, either reasonably better than that or have some form of like disruption, which it doesn't have any disruption for the most part. The CNC one is disruption, the one that banishes their arsenal. But other than that. And card um, from hand. There's the one that's card from hand. Yeah. Sorry. That's not a two cost rune gate though. So like. I guess yeah, I you have four cost and a three cost. Sense. The two cost one. Oh, the is CNC. From their deck. The CNC is a three cost, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, I think like we're still trying to figure out how to build the deck to do things that are better than that. Like, I think an easy card that is very good is the the aura that makes a rune chant at the start of your turn because then. You don't have to pitch a blue to activate grasp. You all have one rune chant from that plus one rune chant from Vincent's ability to easily play the two costs for a single card, which means you can use three cards defensively. Great. Or you can use two cards defensively in Arsenal, your last card, or play a non-attack action like the... Oh gosh, what was the name of my card? I already forgot. Runic something. Runic. It's a Runic R. I remember that much. Runic, Not Runic, runic Reclamation. Reckoning. Runic... Runic Reckoning, yeah, because you Runic Reckoning into <laughs> Runic Reclamation and then all the auras go bye-bye. Yeah, so I think uh, having cards that are flexible that can block three or be worth three power on an offensive turn seems like a reasonable spot for like this defensive version of Vincent. But the problem with the defensive version is how do you really maximize the hands that don't have the two-cost Runegate cards? So there's the three-cost that's quite good, the, the yellow that... If they took damage, it banishes their arsenal. That card's very good. Lost life, not take to... damage. Okay, you're right. Um, the four cost blue that banishes a card from their hand is is quite good as well. Um, and then also just like having nine two cost red rune gate 
effects, that's not enough like proactive things to be doing during your turn. So you have those nine and then you have to put in some other reds into your deck, some other cards that you want to banish to Vincensibility. Otherwise you just like are going to be banishing real cards for one rune champ, which can't do that. You're not going to win if you're doing that. <laughs> so uh, basically figuring out what else you can do with the deck is kind of the next steps the way I see it. What do you think? So I think a play pattern that came up occasionally, but I don't think our team has been like utilizing heavily, which is just banishing a card, making a rune chant, and then playing like a different setup card. Like uh what's the name of that aura again that like makes a rune chant at the start of your turn? Um uh, gosh. Let me pull up. Rune blood incantation. Rune blood incantation, thank you. Yeah, playing a rune blood incantation and or even something like a read the runes there's that other card that i think is interesting from dynasty that's just uh it's a one cost aura at the beginning of your turn destroy it and make three rune chants um and basically you are giving up that one to two life for keeping the cards in blood debt but in exchange you're kind of doing the lexi thing of threatening to play like six uh to seven cards hands like you're not going as crazy as chain obviously where he would just banish every card off the top of his deck and play like 20 card hands sometimes um but i think the ability to uh have this pseudo in uninteractable uh there's some light cards that flip cards face down but for the most part uninteractable zone to like keep the source of card advantage at the cost of like one to two life a turn i think that could be pretty powerful and I think maybe she might be more of a kind of a setup based deck more so than like the straight like value based engine kind of a thing. And and the roommate mechanic kind of speaks to that, right? Because it's asking you to set up room chance, very specifically have this alternative resource going on in order to uh, play these cards for, for free. So um, I, that's kind of the direction I see Vincent going, but you know, at, on the other end of the spectrum still though you can still kind of uh stuff your deck kind of build with these effects like um ghostly touch and just kind of try to play more of these mid-range tempo-y value um rune blade hands that we're more accustomed to just like playing like a mob sky shadow puppetry um or even like uh lead the charges i think our captain's calls classic card might make a comeback now and you know, just play your not attack, attack Rosetta Thorn. We've seen that play pattern come up time and time again, and uh, you just get that room chant for free from Vincent's ability. So there's kind of a di- couple different ways you can take it. Yeah, that's fair. I think one thing that is really important to solve with the with Vincent playing like five, six, seven card hands is you really have to figure out how to how you're going to get that those extra action points to use those cards because like a lot of her cards don't naturally have go again. Um, there's mm-hmm. one Rune Gate card that's like zero for or it's a three cost for four with go again and it has rune gate but that one doesn't feel like you're getting there on rage just spending your three rune chance to do four damage and have go again it's it feels kind of bad honestly so i think solving the action point issues like creepers helps creepers is almost certainly a big part of the puzzle but what are you doing on non-creepers turns or how are you making your creepers turns impactful enough to warrant being worth taking all that extra damage and how are you once you have extra action points what is your game plan are you going back to the classic chain attacks like ghostly touch void wraith founding demigod um rift bind etc 
maybe even rip through reality is a good one. Um, yeah. And I think like, um, ideally you're going to want to be playing like the nine mobs or something like that. Like you're going to be wanting to play a lot of Mauvern skies that does everything you want. It gives you action points, threatens to make more rune chance. It's great. You have Sarah puppetry. Um, you, like you said, you have lots of tricks that are going on with uh, spellbound creepers. I kind of mentioned this earlier with captain's call, just because captain's call is a good way to, since it's kind of like the two cost, like rune gate cards are what we were talking about are kind of like the cleanest to set up and play and activate and things like that. Red Captain's Call gives things with cost two or less go again or uh, plus two. So kind of a flexible card yeah. there. And then... I like Blue Lead uh, the Charge as well for similar reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Cost. And then there's always um, the classic uh, Last Blood Deck cards. I'm trying to think of... The ones that give the... It costs three Steeping Shadows where that card uh, gives the next uh, room blade or shadow action uh, plus one and go again that costs two or less. So I think the two is kind of the focus with kind of like these, the, the three or four, what they're just really powerful effects uh, are kind of the exception to, the, to that rule though. But who knows? I could be completely wrong and there could be a third option that's like a, put a million seeds of agony in your deck and play a giant uh rift bind i don't know there could be lots of there's lots of different options to take it yeah it, it's really slow one other card that we didn't talk about is art of war and that could pretty cleanly go in the deck as it vanishes cards gives go again it's kind of solving some of the problems like do you you don't even need a setup turn anymore if you just like banish a card to vincent banish a card to art of war suddenly boom you're pretty pretty you get two you get to play two cards from blood debt and yeah so we'll we'll see i I, I don't exactly know what the right way to build her is, but there's, it seems like she's capable of doing pretty powerful things. Like her bad turns being wounded bulls. If you have those two cost room gates, maybe those aren't her bad turns, but if those, if those end up being like the floor of her turns, I think we're, we're going to have a pretty strong hero on our hands. Yeah. I will say the last point about Vincent though, that I've came across and just kind of like my limited sample size against her is once she's on the back foot and she's forced to block a lot, she becomes very bad very quickly like in end game situations where she's having to block with you know since she has the ability where she has to banish a card out of her hand if she's like forced to block with three cards and she's but she just has this one awkward, awkward card left over she has to banish it so there's just some awkward tensions and just kind of like her inherent design where i think that's kind of also why like i'm shying away from kind of the setup based decks a little bit and maybe trying to focus on more of like the aggressive builds kind of like an all gas no breaks kind of idea but using like Karen and husk to kind of shore that up maybe um yeah it's just a kind of an awkward pain point of like her just fundamental hero design though mm-hmm. that makes sense so the last thing to talk about is her i guess she has like multiple choices for gear setup she has her new book that you can banish to get an eloquence eloquent elegance token elegance yeah um figuring out how you want to use that or if you want to just go and use rosetta thorn because rosetta thorns is such a really powerful eloquence you were right another... the first time it's not elegance it's eloquence i looked at it just to be safe <sighs> okay man we're butchering a lot today <laughs> oops but the eloquence token um Figuring out good, efficient ways to use that also could be a pretty important part of solving the hero because if you're going to use the book, 
then you really want to make sure you're getting value out of that ability. Alternatively, maybe it's just better to use Rosetta Thorn. We talked about playing Mavrian Skies. If you're playing Mavrian Skies, plus cards that cost any amount of resources, it becomes pretty clean to just spend your last resources to swing Rosetta Thorn. Probably the most efficient weapon we've seen. One for four, still. Still really good. Split damage. Powerful weapon. Um, but yeah, going back to that point that you talked about where when she when she's like forced to block with three cards at the end of the game. There's another hero that used to really have that problem, but I don't think she does anymore. You ready to talk about Levia? Yeah, teach me about Levia. I still don't know anything about Levia. I don't know anything about demi heroes. I don't know anything about um a- anything about Levia. So teach me. You're educating me as much as our listeners. <laughs> okay. So the biggest change to Levia is this new legendary new legendary demi hero card. That's uh, Levia redeemed and a Blasma Fett Levia consumed. Um, <clears throat> both versions of the card, very powerful. And you don't even have to choose. You just get to play both in your deck by putting this in your sideboard because it's a flip card. So basically both, both sides have a condition that you have to meet. And then if you meet that condition, you can transform Levia into that hero. When you transform into the demi hero, your life will become their life. You will basically lose your old Levia ability and gain the abilities of these cards. Um, your life won't change when you turn into Blasma Fett because Blasma Fett's condition is you have to take Blood Debt that puts you to 13 and then Blasma Fett starts with 13 life. So when you take Blood Debt that puts you to 13, you transform into Blasma Fett and then you're at 13 still. So, but when you change into Levia Redeemed, it's just an action to transform. Um, and the condition of having 13 Blood Debt cards is actually pretty difficult to meet. But Levia is a hero that could struggle towards the end of the game where she'd be forced to block with several cards or die because she's at like two or three life so you block and then you die to your blood dead anyway which always felt kind of anticlimactic where you're just like we're so close i just needed to block three cards attack with my weapon or something and then you block mm-hmm. three cards do whatever you do your opponent just blocks it and then you die to your own blood debt so this new ability to transform into levia redeemed means you can block with three cards and spend your action point or even block with four cards spend your action point to transform into levy redeemed go up to eight life and either arsenal a card or if you block with all four of your cards do nothing but no or the most important thing is levy redeemed does not uh all of her cards lose blood debt so you can't take blood debt damage once you transform and also it flips over all your banished cards when you transform as well which means uh they, all your blood debt cards would be face down anyway, so you would not take blood debt while they're face down. But the more important part is you don't take blood debt anymore anyway. So uh, in the future, when you banish more blood debt cards, you never have to worry about um, taking blood debt damage. Notably, that does turn off things like Hexagor or the new six cost 13 power thing. Shade and Death Hydra. 13 power rouse the ancients get in (laughs) because uh your cards completely lose blood debt it's not like you don't pay blood debt they just don't have blood debt anymore so hexagore is going to dome you for six if you attack after you transform not a great thing and that thing will dome you for 13 (laughs) which will just kill you so um yeah so that's how levia's new important most important card works that changing at the end of the game, you can kind of build these like grindy blood debt heavy decks without worrying about just dying to your own blood debt because you can either transform into Blasmethet or Levia Redeemed at the end of the game. Interesting. 
Wow. Um, but did they really fix Levia then, or did they fix the Levia redeemed and blasphemed? So the questions. I think every Levia deck until either She Living Legends or this card gets banned or something. I, I can't imagine a Levia deck not playing this card. I guess like it's also kind of awkward that it's a legendary and you basically it's really hard to play a budget version of Levia now because this card's like kind of fundamentally required to play the hero, which it's kind of like the issue we were talking about with fables a while ago, where you like need these, like if you don't have this card, you're putting yourself at a pretty huge disadvantage because it's so like, yeah, it's just one, it's, it's just a so one powerful. legendary for a niche hero for one hero though. I, I don't think this, like spirit of Rini is only like $20. I don't think this card will be like crazy expensive. At least I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, ho- hopefully that's true. I think spirit had, uh, I guess like Bolton was still kind of bad when, <laughs> spirit after spirit came out so we'll see um if levia is still niche i think she seems very i think she seems very interesting to build and play now and there's like a lot of different directions you could take her between like a deck that's focused on transforming into blasphema a deck that's focused on transforming into levia redeemed you can play like like either way you're going to play a reason a lot of blood deck cards but you can play like the recursion stuff where you're like trying to bring back like how from beyond ghostly visits deeper to evils and play them from banished, then rebanish them, then play them from banished, and so on. Um, you can still just do efficient brute stuff. You can play like Blood Rush Bellow, Claws, Swing Big, a bunch of good brute stuff, and then just like kind of have Blasma Fet as a fallback if some turn you're like getting down a little bit and you just aren't going to be able to turn off Blood Debt, or you don't like your turn's a lot more efficient if you just don't turn off Blood Debt and turn it into Blasma Fet. That's something that'll come up a lot. And then once you turn it into Blasma Fet, if you have like a few blood deck cards and banish, just being able to play them. Uh, I guess I didn't say what Blasmafet does. <laughs> so when you turn into Blasmafet, uh, once per turn, you can play a blood deck card from your banish zone. And whenever you would pay blood debt, instead you just banish cards from the top of your deck or you banish a card from the top of your deck instead of paying the one, the one life. And then we also don't really know how quickly that'll actually self mill you out. And if you have like yeah they almost turned into a pseudo chain at that point that's kind of cool yeah i guess that's then, how they fix uh, levia turn her into chain also uh any cards <laughs> you banish once you've transformed the blast of face down so you're not gonna like it's not gonna like fuel itself and kill you uh, you're like your first five blood debt uh banish five more blood debt and then you take then you next turn you banish 10 more cards so it's not quite like chain it's more like once you've put these like X cards with blood debt into your banish zone, that's kind of your pool of blood debt cards to play for the rest of the game because anything else that gets banished will be banished face down. Um, Do you have any new really cards to play game. from banished? Um, so kind of there's uh one cost six power red. I am so bad with card names, especially with the new set and, all of Levia card names are just like gruesome stuff that all sound very similar. Slithering <laughs> Shadowpede. If it was banished from your hand this right. turn, you it's banished from your hand, you may play it from your banished zone this turn. So, so that a, one gets on banished directly turn. from your hand. Yeah, and same mm-hmm. turn. But which we'll, which we'll get to in a second, the banishing from hand, because I have a thing about that, <laughs> but go ahead. Blasma Fett does give you the ability to play one card from your banished zone with Blood Debt each turn. That's so it doesn't, you don't need that text to be able to 
to like build up these cards and then you turn into Blasma and you're like, okay, I'll play one, this one card. You can very easily block with three cards and just play like a two for seven or something with your last card from your Banish Zone. That's, it's going to be hard to compete with the value that Blasmothet gets in the end game. I think the main plan once Levia transforms into Blasmothet is runner out of deck, which is a common line against Chain as well. So, but it seems similar, much more difficult to do things. against like a big brood attacks, right? Um, Levia was capable of producing some of. pretty big numbers, right? It was just about consistency. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, I don't think her. I think there still is a reasonable amount of variance in like the damage output of her turns. Um, she can really struggle to get two action points. Maybe you run scab skins, but if you run scab skins, then you definitely are going to, or if you're using scab skins, you're definitely going to have some consistency question marks. Um, and she can, she can really struggle to use four card hands sometimes if you don't have like specifically dread screamer. Um, a lot of her other cards aren't great. No, they fixed the, her ability to use four card hands now because now she banishes because she's just like Reinar. She's she's getting rid of cards from her hand. They did it. They married the two brutes. Okay, so I I do think there is a lot going on with Levia. Uh, a lot of new stuff that's really powerful. Mostly the hero card. There are some cards that are good, like the one for six that we talked about. Um, she also got her blues upgraded a reasonable amount. Um, there's a lot of good blues that are just gonna like probably make the deck. There's some that are question marks, but. Um, yeah, definitely helped out there. No more, no, no blue sixes, notably, but some good blue cards. Crazy. What are the odds? They're they're just not doing blue sixes. Um, and brute. Then set over there gets a blue mythic six power attack. <laughs> that's majestic, but yeah, that's true. Majestic, yeah, sure. But Whatever the they're M not given, symbol is. they're not given brutes. Does doesn't sound like they're giving blue brutes any more blue sixes that they don't have to work for though this they, she did get a card that says if you've banished a six power card this turn then it has six power as a blue it's a one for six if you've done that which is pretty good one point above a critical strike and it's another blood debt card for your blood debt and it's a blue so a blue one for six pretty powerful yeah that's fair um unfortunately it's never going to be a six when it's never going to be a six when you need uh, when you need a six for turning off Levia's blood dead or whatever, because if it's a six, then you've already banished another six. So it doesn't make you more consistent, really. It just adds some power once you're doing the thing. Do you think any of the banish from hand cards are like worth it compared to like the um, old Levia attacks? Because like the old levy attacks are, were good, like banishing a bunch of cards from your graveyard. It was just a question of like getting it. And obviously, when you get to the whole brute mechanic of banishing randomly from your hand, you're really constrained on like what your hand can do. Because no matter what, it's hard to be efficient because this whole extra card is just being tossed away to, to in order to cast the, even your first card. So I feel like this is going to be pretty difficult to include these like banished random cars from hand thing, especially when you consider that like, at least when Reinar does it, you're getting like this form of pseudo evasion and disruption and intimidate, whatever that's worth. And Levia, you're not getting that. There's no like, whenever you banish a card with six or more intimidate, that's not, that's not what she does. You're just not dying to blood debt that turn. So I don't, I don't know. So 
most of the cards are the junky ones that Reinhardt, even Reinhardt doesn't play, or he plays the yellows because he needs like another yellow six or whatever. Like you're not putting like red savage feast in your deck as, as a savage feast, savage swing, savage swing. The one for seven that says discard a random card. It's just mm-hmm. like not a playable card. The yellow is fine because you need six. Now you have shade and swing, and which yellow. is one for seven banish a card from your hand. Yeah. So I don't think we'll see any of those. I said Savage Feast when I was trying to talk about Savage Swing. They didn't give us a Savage Feast equivalent, which is the one for six. Discard a card. If it has six or more power, you draw a card. Um, I think if we saw that one, we'd probably see that where it's just like one for six, banish a random card, draw a card. If it's six or more power, that's probably good enough. And then we didn't get a Blood Rush Bella, which is the other like one that you think about when you think about discarding a random card with six power and getting a really powerful effect. There's no blood rush bellow equivalent. There's the blue. There's some new blue that banishes your whole hand when you play it. And I think that card will be played blood dripping blue frenzy. Block three. Yeah. It's a blue block three with uh, a lot of upside, but most of the time you're going to be blocking or pitching it. You're not going to be casting it that often, but sometimes it's just nice that it has that upside that you can cast it when your hand lines up that you want to cast it. Like a four blue hand would probably cast it most of the time. That's fair. And I was about to say, they also did away with the brew cards that don't block, but there's one exception in Slithering Shadowpede, probably one of the more playable ones. So once again, uh, Brute's not looking to block very often. Yeah. I, I Can you say the name of that card again? Slithering Shadowpede? Slithering Shadowpede. Okay. I, I do think that card kind of gives you an incentive to run the banish random cards from your hand cards because it's just like being able to play it that turn um, Which one of them has go again? Is, is really high upside. Uh, Ram so, Raider. Ram Raider. Okay. So you want to pitch yeah, a blue. The, the, the problem is. Attack with Ram Raider. Banish your Slithering Shadow Peed. Attack with Slithering Shadow Peed. You three card 12. It's not bad. You three card 12 and you turn off Blood Debt, which is pretty, pretty relevant because the Slithering Shadow Peed was a six that got banished that turn. So um, if there are more effects like that or more ways to do turns like that, I, I think. I could see some play from them, but I don't expect like in general. Um, oh gosh, the the six go again that banishes a card from hand is going to be way, way, way worse than Red Dread Screamer, which is just banishing th- three cards from your Ram discard it for yeah for six go again. So banishing cards from your graveyard is a lot lower of a cost than banishing a random card from your hand, and I think the cards are priced like essentially the same. Where like if you look at like any point of the cost curve, it's like the same to banish three cards from your graveyard versus banishing a random card from your hand and banishing three cards, three random cards from your discard is almost always going to be a lower cost of banishing a card from your hand. So these cards outside of the slithering, Oh gosh, slithering Senate. What is it called? Uh, shadow peed slithering shadow peed. Um, there's not really any payoffs to banish random cards from your hand. This is the only card that does it. And it's a red majestic, you can only play three copies of it. Um, I think I think there's not enough stuff to get there on that theme. But that said, Lavia's old cards are pretty powerful. Um, her issue, her biggest issue was consistency, and the hero flip does a lot to help with that. Fair there's enough. also a couple of new pieces of equipment that are worth talking about. Um, there's the new six power weapon that banishes itself after you attack with it. That could be a card that sees play it helps flip your flip you into levia redeemed it's a because it's a blood debt card it turns off your blood debt for one turn when you're still regular levia i could see that seeing play it's probably not good enough a weapon that you can only attack with once probably isn't great that's a pretty big cost um 
Yeah, there's the the new hat, the new hat. Spoiled that Blade Breaks Two. No, not the yes. Shadow Brute. No, Shad- no. the one that Blade the, the regular two. one, the flesh bag. Yeah, the flesh yeah. bag hat. Uh, Blade Breaks Scowling Two flesh bag. When it defends, intimidates. <laughs> intimidates when it blocks, so it banishes a random card from their hand. I think that card, like it, really reminds me of Stalagmite. I don't think it's as good as Stalagmite, but Stalagmite was very, very good. And like, if you can even get like a portion of Stalagmite out of your card, sometimes using this against the Briar on her Channel Mount Heroic turn could save you a lot of life. Using this, um, just like using this against the Pummel, where they have two cards left, and it's a face-up Pummel. You block with this. They either banish the Pummel or they banish the resource card that was going to pay for the Pummel. Great. They uh, stopping four damage and like you're stopping four damage and the on hit though. They are getting, they are going to be able to arsenal the pummel for the next turn, but like they're basically wasting a whole card then when you do that. So that's blocking two plus. Yeah. Plus it postponing the pummel for a turn and making them waste a card. So I think there are going to be spots where this card shines and figuring out how to use it is Figuring out how to use it is going to be a very skill testing part of the game, similar to like finding your correct blocks with Stalagmite. That's fair. Okay, seems sweet. Uh, I feel I feel educated now. I feel I feel like I can go main Levia now. <laughs> and I I guess my biggest regret is that I didn't put some time into like playing with Levia Levia's old cards more. I've been having a lot of fun playing her in Monarch Limited, so a lot of the we're familiar with a lot of the cards that she plays because most of the cards that were good before were the commons and rares. So the ones that you would play in draft anyway. Yeah. But all this transforming talk has a, given me a hankering to talk about prism. You ready to talk about some prism cards? Yeah. Yeah. So first there's the new prism, which uh, the ability of when you put a herald into your soul, you get to go tutor for a figment which that's very powerful. For a while we were like, what's a figment? It is, it is very powerful. Um, and then you can pay two resources and do you have to banish a card from your soul to transform the figment? You yeah. Do, right. Mm-hmm. Two, two resources, banish a card from your soul, transform the figment into the angel form. And then these angels are four fours with ward four. So they're very, very difficult to keep around because they both, and, yeah. they both have four health and they have ward. So they die pretty pretty easily if you take any damage or your opponent can just send a zero for four at them they get them out of here um but they they don't have phantasm which is notably different from dromai's dragons and there's no easy way to give them go again i think one of the angels can give all your angels go again for the turn if you banish a card but they also cost two to attack so even if you can even if you get like two angels in play it's going to cost two to attack and you'll have to banish a card from your soul to get go again so you can pay another two to attack with the other one I'm sure it'll come up more than zero, but I don't expect it to come up very often where you have two angels and you're attacking with both of them. Yeah. So um, Prism needs a million resources for these things. Like so many things to line up. She needs like the cards to pitch in order to attack with them. She needs the cards in soul to maximize their abilities. She needs even more cards to pitch to give them go again to like uh, do other things. Like, this playing the figments themselves and getting the value out of them, I think is the, where the bulk of where prisms value is probably going to be uh, spent. And I think 
you're probably going to play some kind of hybrid between the auras and the figments but that means i also don't think you're going to be playing luminaras i think you're going to be playing iris so if you're this resource heavy and this card heavy i think you want to be a primarily blue based deck as opposed to like so like blues and yellows very limited on reds which isn't uncommon kind of where the prism of olds wound up but i think that just the mono herald angel plans doesn't really line up to be like a cohesive game plan especially like we were talking about like vincent falling behind and not being able to do anything if this prism deck falls but she literally does not like actual zero game actions not being able to like function as a hero uh kind of a deal you talked about a, a blue and yellow base for the prism deck but actually without luminars there's not really an incentive to run the yellows. The the legendary figments are all yellows. So like, that's like, I think seven or so yellows that you have to run. But outside of that and Herald of Erudition, I think you can be like well, primarily Soul Shield. a blue and red deck. I think you're still playing Soul Shield, right? And then I said some of the uh, old auras, right? And those are all yellow. So like, that's why I was saying like, just because so many of the cards are nothing but yellow. Like I still think yeah. whenever you get I'm the opportunity sure. to play, play blue for sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if they'll, if social will be an auto include the way it used to be because I think it has to be because like you have just so many these figments don't block, so like including them and the auras like soul shield was a good way to mitigate your hands that don't block very well because you would just be able to pitch one of them yeah. up on the soul shield. That's fair. Maybe social will still be in the deck. I will admit I have not spent a lot of time on prism. I think like she doesn't seem that powerful to me honestly with how costly everything is and the fact that she starts at 32 life i i think prism's the hero i'm least interested in out of these four heroes 32 life is very low 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 life like that's that's not a lot that's, of life that's two more than kano yeah um and so i played against a, a couple test games uh prism and first game uh travis you know our editor the t and t manor cast uh, he was on a heavy angel or angel and aura plan, and um, he basically had like a really powerful like first couple turns, and then he ran out of resources, and the game was pretty much over. Like he just had no like long game, and the continual continued like deck and gameplay requirements of like accruing the resources to like like I said, put the cards in soul, attack with the angels just doesn't leave you any room to like block so then like your everything you're setting up is just immediately getting destroyed and you're taking damage while starting at 32 life um and it just didn't it just didn't seem like the juice was worth the squeeze the juice was worth the squeeze focusing solely on the angels then he switched into like a more traditional like old school prism the opposite direction play like i think he had like six total figments in his deck um but like a bunch of the old like good auras all the blue auras that kind of deal and i remember he played i think at one point he had seven spectral shields on the battlefield plus a piercer reality and i was like i'm dead like i can't possibly win this game and then he pitched one blue to attack me with one spectral shield for four and passed and i was like oh I have all the time in the world to clean up these special <laughs> shields. This is no big deal. <laughs> yeah, they're, and just they're... slowly, and two, two, three turns later, he had 
no auras on the battle. I think, no, he kept a Pierce Reality. I never blew with the Pierce Reality. He had one Pierce Reality on the board, and I was attacking him directly in the face with via the Vanguard. And I was like, what a difference not having Luminaris makes, man. Like, that's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Prism before, like, there was a time when Young Prism was kind of like terrorizing, terrorizing the old Himes of the world. But like, old Himes gone. Who's Who's her? Who's her good matchup right now? I, I think ideally you want to fight against decks that don't have a lot of poppers because it's, you're really reliant on your heralds hitting now to supercharge your soul. Um, the heralds are just very efficient when they aren't popped, like Fortune Herald one for seven. Um, Herald of Protection is a two for seven that when it hits, you get both a card and soul and you gain a life. Basically, you get that spectral shield, which is worth a life and sometimes stops on hits. Um, the other heralds all do things. Herald of Erudition, of course, pretty powerful, though a lot worse if there's if it's not getting go again for free. Um, so yeah, I I think Prism's gonna be like Icelander. Icelanders are a good matchup. We found it. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I think uh, Iris Iris Prism is extremely good against Icelander and. Honestly, and maybe Dorinthia, because there's just no poppers in Dorinthia either. Like decks are like super popper light. They're just like they traditionally play like maybe three poppers total. I think she could be pretty just like make sure you have really good equity with your heralds. I think that's her most important thing, is making yeah. sure that her heralds are actually like functional cards. And, and Dorinthia is also a hero that like struggles against Arc Light Sentinel, where you leave leave Dorinthia yeah. with a five card hand play an Arc Light Sentinel. Okay. Reset her Dom Blade against the against the Aura heavy build. I will say, like the the fear, you're like, I'm gonna activate Tunic. Am I okay? Is it? Am I gonna get Arclight Sentinelled? And he's like, no response. Like, okay, via the Vanguard. And it's like, because if, if I go Tunic and he goes Arclight Sentinel, I'm I'm a, I'm sad. I'm just swinging a naked Raiden at an Arclight Sentinel, and we're yeah. wasting a whole turn cycle. But it is what it is. Yeah. Arclight Sentinel is still a really powerful card. I think Iris of Reality is solid, and the blue auras are still good, even if you're on Iris. They're just pretty yeah. powerful. Um, we'll we'll see if it's enough for Prism. I've never been a big Prism guy, so uh, maybe the Prism mains out there can solve her. But I I hate to, I, I don't want to say it right away, but I, I feel like she might fall a little short this time, and just to kind of like be a hero that's just looking for the meta games that she breaks on when Icelander and Kano are around doing really well. Um, maybe she can have a good Bravo matchup. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, if you build her like more traditional auras with Iris, but I, I don't know if the angels are, like you said, if the juice is worth the squeeze, but we'll see, maybe you could still play angels and just have this extra sync where you leave these figments in play for a long time with no intention of transforming them and tell your opponents like, okay, I'm leaving you with a four card hand. Maybe as Azalea. Why do you think she fares into Azalea? The ward stuff is kind of interesting. And Azalea is not known for going like super wide. So like if you set up some auras behind some angels, it kind of feels like a somewhat cohesive game plan, right? Yeah. I, I do not think a lot of poppers also, either. Herald of Erudition is quite good against Azalea. Azalea is uh, not known for her blocking equipment or her yeah. poppers. So yeah, there might be hope. There's also the new uh, the new yellow reinforced alliance for heralds. Seems pretty good in, de- in a yeah. defensive prism, specifically against Azalea, where you can easily just two card block seven. So even through dominate. So yeah, we'll I, don't see. Know. I 
also like Arclight Sentinel is pretty good against Azalea too if they're trying to like use pumps. So they might have to go back to like Rabble E Strike stuff. If Prism is a if Prism is a menace, then Rabble E Strike does help with that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't want to rule her out yet. I like I said, I haven't put as I haven't been ex- excited about Prism as the other three heroes. I haven't put nearly as much time into her. I, I say nearly as much time. I haven't put a lot of time into any of the heroes yet. Everything just came out a couple days ago. But I Prism's at the bottom of my list of the four heroes to work on. Same. All right. You know who's at the top of my list, though. You want to know who's at the top of my list? You know who Who? I was undefeated with? 8-0 reigning champion of of Bolton (laughs) until we faced Lexi, and we're sad. uh, But we'll get to that one in a minute, too. Uh, (laughs) Bolton's very good. And uh, I feel like there are, since Twitter is not a great place for nuanced opinions, uh, that being said, there are some huge disappointments in this set as far as like what I'm considering for like Bolton uh, overall. And because uh, I got my spoiler card, right? V, v for Valor. It, it's it, like when I saw it, I was like, eh, whatever. It's It seems okay. The more I thought about it and the more I thought about like the play patterns it resolves and, and, and things like that, uh, it grew on me more and more. And playing with it, I, I've been equally impressed with it. But second, I thought about it more, and I realized what it what what it signified, and that's uh, it's not an engulfing light. Like you get to pump weapons with this. Like it's a non-attack action that pumps whatever attack you're reacting on, and that can lead to more cohesive warrior game plans because like warriors want to be attacking with their weapons. Uh, they play have all these attack reactions, weapon buff effects, things like that, and primarily. I still want this card more than anything out of any flesh and blood set. It's just sharpen steel with charge, sharpen charge. I don't know. Uh, we didn't get that card though. Uh, and I made my spoiler video and I was like, Ooh, that's it. V for valor. We'd never have to attack with engulfing light again. No more two card, three mopey attacks that you don't have to, you have to figure out like, how am I getting my action point to swing my rain afterwards? Because I don't have go again. No more of those days. Boy, aren't we glad those days are over? And then I I saw the rest of the set. (laughs) And not only did they give us more zero for three charge cards, they gave us conditional zero for three charge cards. You have to charge a yellow card in order to get their bonus. Not any card, not a light card like via the Vanguard. Via the Vanguard's requirement to pitch light cards like if though if that was a requirement on these cards, no complaints. My deck's like ninety five percent light cards at this point now, anyways. Um, but they have to be yellows, and for that reason, I immediately wrote off the majestic ones, and I'm continuing to write off the majestic ones. Like their effects are like fine. Uh, one is when it hits, uh, you create the courage token. Once you put an attack action from your graveyard. And that's uh, Beckoning Light and Spirit War. Uh, or sorry, Beckoning Light puts the cards on top of your deck from your graveyard. And Spirit of War, uh, on hit, attack action, cards make Courage Tokens. Not Raiden. Raiden will not make a Courage Token when it hits while well, this is on the combat chain. Attack action, cards will make a Courage this Token. This itself makes one, right? When it hits. If it hits. But uh, once again, how are you getting an action point? I don't know. You, you figure that out. 
you got uh, courageous you, you. steel hand, right? That's a that's a classic. Sure. <laughs> However, <laughs> your favorite card. <laughs> so Lumina Lance. There. Lumina Lance. I I I I don't know how to evaluate that card, but um, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. So as much as I hate, continue to hate, and will forever hate the two card, three charge cards forever, there are some exceptions. First exception, Beaming Bravado, which is uh, zero cost. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a zero for three, but if you charge a yellow card, it gets plus one. So then it becomes a zero for four, but it has plus one. So then you can use that card you just charged immediately if you want to, and two cards seven. It's not bad. Not bad. It, and and you, you you know when you attack with this and you charge a yellow card, you are going to get an action point. You could have you you get to do things after this charge effect. You get to actually utilize Bolton's effect multiple times across a combat chain and get more value out of it. It's great. I think it's the best new charge card. I think I think this is on par with Take Flight. And I do not say that lightly. I don't know which one I want to run nine copies of. I think one of these two should be nine. I still currently have nine take flight just because it has the unconditional charge um, and unconditional go again. So you don't need to use a card from Sulfur Go again. I think it still slightly edges it out. But the fact that it's close is a huge compliment to this card. I love this card. Okay, I'll yeah, just keep talking about Bolton since do, you don't have anything to say about it. This is now the Roger no, Pote. This I, is now the Ur. <laughs> so I, I do think this is, I agree, this is the best new charge card. And the fact that you can like two card seven with your Bolton ability turned on. And if you have an extra card in soul, you can also just give your raid and go again after that. That's just like, that's the dream, right? And then uh, I think this card is probably better than Take Flight because Take Flight really, you need that tunic counter or you need a plan to spend your other two resources that you're floating off pitching. Or one or resource. A yellow, which is... Yeah, you, I guess you one can like valiant thrust if, them or something if you pitch a yellow. No, which is fine, no, no, no. No, what are you doing with your? You get to use resource? that one resource for Iron Song versus. Yeah, that's so you pitch great. a yellow. It's fine. Uh, Iron Song versus is phenomenal with Raiden. I love that card with Raiden. It like for the fact that it turns Raiden into like four value. It's just it's just a zero for four if you if you charged or or I guess uh, one resource for four value on the turn and since the courage tokens are just like so fundamental to once again ensuring that like whatever you're attacking with has the plus power in order to like get a card from soul to get go again courage tokens mm-hmm. are insanely impactful in Bolton so I I think Iron Song versus alone might have been enough for to me to consider like Raiden to be like the superior build. Um but the fact like you have uh beaming bravados and just like more consistent like tempo game plans or just a higher floor for like your like Raiden turns, I think uh kind of speaks volumes to it. And then mm-hmm. the last thing we'll talk about as far as Bolton concerned then now that we've touched on Iron Song versus are the Bannerets. Bannerets are Bannerets are very good. Ben, I I was like, who cares about these? Go ahead. They gave us some. They they gave us cards that are like, we want to charge yellows to be good, and then they gave us some yellow cards that are like, charge us. We're real good to charge. Please charge us. Do anything Please. with us. <laughs> just just put us on your soul to charge. 
but I, the small flavor fail is like whenever you reveal them on like a Lumina Ascension or something like that, or they get into your soul through other means, you don't get their effects. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But I, I don't uh, think Lumina yeah. needed to be better. I think Lumina Lumina Ascension is the card that didn't need help in both. I think everything else could use could use the help, but Lumina Ascension, I feel like it it it's 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 fine. It's fine. It doesn't need to be better. Okay, I won't argue with you. Uh, but I think <laughs> not all Bannerettes are created equally. Um, I think number one is Banneret of Courage. Number to the, getting that Courage token, like I said, because it's it's the flexibility of the modularity of being able to get go again if you want it by using a card and soul. But just if you don't want it, you just get the extra power and just pushing up the extra power, getting just a little bit of extra value out of your charge effects. Uh, since they are so bad on rate traditionally helps it goes it goes a, a very long way and it helps push through like um it's a nice combo with like that take flight line i just said where you activate iron song versus putting raiden up to four uh threatening the courage token hit is a lot different than blocking it for three because if you block it for three with an attack action then it's like oh okay i don't get my thing but once it goes up to four it becomes kind of difficult to block with um so Banneret of Courage is my preferred go-to copies one to three Bannerets. Um, then you have Banneret of Gallantry, which gives you a quicken token, which saves you the card and soul and gives you the go again. The only thing that's awkward about it is if like you're attacking um, or you, you just don't need that quicken token or you have plenty of soul anyways or something like that. Like it's just not always the most like super useful one, but I still think like overall it's still very, very good. Obviously getting a quicken token getting the action points when you need them since your cards don't usually have go again naturally very very good and that's why i'm also happy to run that one and i think that's it i think i'm done on bannerets i think the other ones are just like whatever yeah i, I think because the other bannerette gives you a spell bane agus the other one you have to run the legendary chess piece to give plus defense on your turn and the other two you need to hit in order to gain one life or gain one resource and it's like yeah okay so sure Talk to me about the the other new legendary equipment, the the chess piece. That's legendary, right? Not a majestic. Yeah, it's legendary. Soulbound resolve. Yeah, is that card playable? I don't know. <laughs> I I it, so I tested my fatigue strategy into Lexi trying to use this card because my big brain was like, oh, Lexi is going to give me frostbites, and as soon as you have a frostbite playing um sink below or your defense reactions gets very bad very quickly so they're going to lead their turn giving you a frostbite you know like aha i will so bound resolve resolve bent charge my uh defense reaction that's now horrible rate and get, but at least get some damage mitigation out of it as opposed to just rotting in my hand being a red stupid resource card and we'll be it will be okay it was not good enough. The game was not anywhere close to me getting to the fatigable <laughs> range in Lexi. Um, I got destroyed. I think Lexi ended with like 20 life and 16 cards in deck when I was at like negative 10 to like the pitch deck rain raisers. It was not a good game plan. Um, okay. That being said, maybe if like you're doing other things with it, I just I just don't know where it fits, you know? What are your ideas yeah. for it? I think to me, it just seems kind of bad because like, I mean, like it's not bad. It's a two block temper equipment. You already had that with courage of blade hold though. Mm -hmm. And 
can always play Courage of Blade Hold in Raiden if you wanted. It doesn't do anything when you activate it, but it still blocks three. It's still a nice part of a not nice piece of a fridge, you know. And there are hands that you would definitely be happy to take one of your cards and gain one life and put it into your soul. Um, I think that's going to happen less often now, but it's not worth nothing. But the bannerets being chargeable off of it, you can do it, charge a banneret, and then a hand that doesn't have a charge card. Now maybe you've played the banneret that gave you the the quicken token. Well, either either banneret works there, where your hand becomes functional because you charged this banneret. But a lot of the time when your hand isn't super functional, you could just block with your hand. If they're attacking you, instead of blocking with this fancy chess piece, you could just block with two or three of your cards and play a one-card hand, play your Express Lightning Arsenal something or something like that. I guess, yeah. So I I don't know. I am suspicious of it. I think especially if you're on Take Flight still, then Tunic looks really good because Tunic into Take Flight, into Raid, and into whatever is still or a really be the strong Vanguard. Yeah, Tunic B, yes. Um, so... I I guess I could see it being correct in really fast matches where you just want the block three and it's slightly better than Courage of Blade Hold when you're on Raiden plan anyway. But yeah. I I don't I don't think it's nearly as impactful as the gloves. Yeah. And we want to talk about another question mark, by the way. It's uh Prayer Bologna, which is basically like they gave Light Warrior Snot Organics. So Prayer Bologna is the non-attack action that blocks three, costs one. Your next attack, no matter what, will get plus two. So no matter what, you're getting you're getting plus two out of this card. Pretty good. And even if it's <laughs> oh, one for two. One for two. Good Bolton. We're do, we're doing it. It gives you a reaction point. Let's back go too. again. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh reveal the top card of your deck. If it's a yellow card, you draw it, and then you get to charge any card out of your hand but you have to have a yellow card on top of your deck. I think I'm like sub You don't do, you just get plus two. You just, you just, you, you just, just reveal your red card. take flight. Okay. You just reveal your red take <laughs> flight and you attack with your Raiden for two. And you're like, we, we did it. I love two uh, card twos. I think I did the math and on average in my Raiden builds, I'm like 75% total light cards. So I'm playing a lot of light cards. And I think I'm like two for seven hitting off this card. Right. You said you said 75% light cards, 75% yellows? Yeah, 75%. Yeah, sorry. 75% uh, yellow cards. Yeah. You're just not very lucky, are you? I'm not very lucky. So I don't. So maybe this, this is like a Michael Hamilton card, not a Roger Bodie card. So when you do hit with this, you're spending one resource and a card to get two power and a card in soul, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you so this for is, free off the top of your deck. You get you yeah, get a free so, charge when it hits, and it counts as charging a card, right? So you, like you can play this and then yes. play your red take flight, and your take flight will have go again because you charged. Yeah, so like let's say you and let's say even like you flip this, you reveal Lumina Ascension, you draw your card, and then you're like, oh, well, I'll just banish this red take flight from my hand now, play, and, and then, then I charge the for the turn. Out. So now, so then I can play Lumina, attack you with Raiden, Raiden for six, and then attack you, card for us all, Raiden for six. So like, even if you hit a power card off of this, like you're fine, you don't have to charge with it. 
So, but I so guess if my, it's the only card in your hand, so if you play this on a naked hand, you reveal Lumina. Then you have, then you're charging Lumina. You, it's you. Once you reveal it, it goes into your hand. You must charge. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be pretty powerful if you didn't have to charge. Also, like there would be yeah. times where you just like spend your resource, get your plus two power, and draw a card. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One resource for two power draw. I guess you're drawing a yellow, but some of Bolton's yellows are quite strong, like V and Lumina and Beacon. Um, I guess the last thing that goes to my mind is comparing this card to Seek Enlightenment, where Seek Enlightenment, you're at yellow, you're getting plus two power, you're getting conditional, an extra card in your soul. Um, this, when it hits, is reasonably better than Seek Enlightenment because you're getting that charge effect for your turn for Bolton's ability um, and for any of your cards that care about charge. And then it also blocks three, um, which is a lot more than blocking two from Seek Enlightenment. The reasons it might be, or the reasons it might be worse than Seek Enlightenment is, I guess, missing on this um, doesn't, like if you just miss on this, you're just getting the two power and you're getting nothing else. So the turns you miss on this, it's spending a card and a resource for two points of power is pretty bad. It's like two points yeah. below Raiden. Uh, but the upside Seek is Enlightenment doesn't hit Raiden as well, though. So, But this hits any attack, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I guess I, I talked yeah. about it. charge cards and Bolton's effect and also Raiden, of course. So I, I do think that if your deck supports this, I don't know what number of yellows you need to for it to be good to play this. I think you need to be hitting probably more than 50% of the time, but I don't know exactly what the numbers are. And I guess you can play cards like Ravenous Rabble if you really wanted to, to check the top card and then you play Rabble, then you see if it hits, if this would hit. If not, you just Arsenal this. That could be a real line but I don't know. I don't know. But then there's the Fabled. There's a Fabled, which does this, but doesn't charge, but just puts a card directly in your soul, and it's a gem. Mm -hmm. Is that that the best gem? I know we said this last time about Plague Hive, and that wound up not making much of an impact. Um, But this one seems like it's real good. So my biggest issue with this one is and Plague Hive's played in most usury decks, I think. So I, I think Plague Hive did get mm-hmm. there. Maybe not, but um and then Rangers it, most of the Rangers don't, don't play it, but Rangers have a lot of weird requirements and they make a bunch of ponder tokens and stuff. But <laughs> um I think this if this just said when you pitch it, you charge the top card of your deck, I think it would be. Or even the top card of your deck just goes through your soul. I I think it would be. The fact that it's conditional that your deck has to be so heavily yellow based for this to work. And the times it doesn't work, it's a yellow, no block card. I, I think the best It's cracked bobbles. Yeah, it's it's cracked bobble when it doesn't hit, which is quite, quite bad. I, I think it's just in my opinion, I would put this below the other the other gems. I think it's worse than heart. I think it's worse than eye, and I think it's worse than especially worse than viscerize it's just the blue that always makes a rune chant and i think it's also probably worse than plague hive so i'm kind of putting it at the bottom (laughs) because it's conditional and it pitches for yellow i'm trying it out we'll see how it goes basically i have like one flux slot in my list in my core 60 and i don't know if i want this or like a lumina lance because i don't think lumina lance is an effect you want a lot of either um just because Mm -hmm. Celestial Cataclysm and Beacon of Victory already use like your excess soul pretty heavily. 
Although we did have that one cool end game where I attacked, we were at two, I attacked with a naked Raiden and you're like, hmm, guess I got a block with Tunic. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise you just died at the Be- Luminal Lance. Beacon of Victory also does like a similar thing where like you can just beacon for two. Because yeah, yeah. If you haven't charged, you still get the plus two power rate. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just Bol- Bolton's pretty scary when you're at two life and they have like several cards and so yeah that's one thing so that's one thing that uh really caught me off guard that's like another small interaction is just like your spoiler card uh v for v for victory v for valor v for valor v for valor yeah v for victory when i'm at two life and you're attacking me with a raid in with a v for valor in play if you had like a tunic counter i feel like that is a really rough spot to be against because if they have a tunic counter and one card in hand and v for valor in play then this Raiden is basically representing six damage. And if you block for six, they just arsenal their card, save their tunic counter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really powerful. The, and V for Valor does so many cool things. Uh, it's like a, your perfect turn zero play in the deck. Um, I, like, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, but you have to spend your whole tar- turn doing it. But like, you were already doing that a bunch. Bolton just has setup turns. Like you're already just going to have some turns where you're just like attacking with red illuminate arsenaling, or like you're just like uh, attacking with like a beaming bravado charging one card passing. Like you just you just already are going to have some number of these cards because the deck just isn't all gas. Like that's just not how it how it works. You you are exchanging some amount of tempo at some times in order to do way over the top like four card 20 turns later on consistently. And like, I have been having a really consistent four card 20 turns, like in the deck now. Um, and via the Valor helps enable that because um, one of the biggest things that can go wrong in Bolton, obviously is you don't have a charge card in your hand. You draw four cards and you're like, oh, there's no charge cards here. I can't charge. <laughs> via the Valor makes it so that like, since it's just an always source of charge sitting on the battlefield, you actually get to come down a little bit on charge cards. I think, I think before I was at like, you have to play 30 to 33. Like you, you, you have to, you your half of your deck must be charge cards in order to play Bolton. And I do not play at least 30 anymore. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm below 30 charge cards now and I've not had an issue. Yeah. So that kind of is interesting because it potentially leaves space for like more of the powerful generics. I remember at our testing for Indianapolis, we were looking at Scar for a Scar and Enlightened Strike. I don't know if like those are back in your deck. They're not yellow, which makes them kind of awkward. (laughs) So I don't know if I want to talk about the spicy cards I put in my deck. I guess I kind of already leaked it in the Bolton Discord. It's cash in. You play cash in. Everybody knows about it. It's fine. You play cash. (laughs) It's a yellow. You, you can you, charge it after you use your it's gold. It's a yellow. It's a charge. It's a charge card. It's a yellow. You use your gold, and it lets you play like five card Bolton hands um, at its peak, and this is very, very powerful, especially on via the Vanguard turns, getting that extra charge or digging for your extra power cards and things like that. So, uh, I've been really happy with cash in so far. So, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, especially on V turns, that seems very strong. Yeah, All but right. there's one and thorn in my side. Oh, what you about to say? Thorn. I was uh, ready to move on. Well, we, we, that's where we're moving on. Uh, one All thorn right, in my right. side. I was undefeated on Bolton until I was like, Travis, load up a Lexi deck. Let <laughs> me see if my uh, new and improved Bolton can beat this here no bullseye bracer Lexi deck you got going on. I got 
thrashed, dude. Oh my goodness. Those games were not, like I said, one team I tried a fatigue strategy, did not work, did not go on well. It might have been Travis's build uniquely because he was playing some weird cards that were like extra disruptive to my arsenal. Like he had just, he just had a lot of ways to generate inertia tokens, basically. Uh, when I was trying to just like do like, cause then they were like, well, what about like a more traditional, like Saber's combo turn? You just wait for Lexi to have an off turn and then you combo her. And that plan didn't work well. So, uh, I'm back to the drawing board. We gotta, we gotta figure out a good strategy into Lexi to at least not make it like, if I can get it to like in the 40% range, 30 for 40%, I think Bolton could be a tier one hero. But until that happens, I think you kind of have to put him in tier 1.5, tier 2 still, because Lexi is still going to be a huge force in the metagame. All right. I got a I play pattern for you. Pitch a blue. Sure. sure. Play a take flight. Mm-hmm. Charge mm-hmm. any card. Then play Command and Conquer. That's the classic Bolton answer to Lexi. Yeah, it's not bad. Um there's still a lot of disruption and things like that that can happen. Measures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the the three Command and Conquer are going to be staples in the sideboard, regardless of what happens. The problem is that like you get three Command and Conquers, and like I guess like maybe sometimes if they Codex and give you an extra one or something like that, they're still Codexing you, and you're still pretty sad about it. Uh, I am looking for like another command and conquer-esque card to go alongside of it copies like command and conquer's copies four through six i don't know what they are um i thought about humble points for light heroes yeah humble there's that new card sensor the one for five that blocks three uh when it hits you name a card um they can't play the name card until the end of their next turn so you hit and then you just name whatever their face of card is an arsenal i don't know it's okay. It's like some disruption, but I don't know if it's like impactful enough because they're still playing up. Like you took them from a six card hand to a five card hand. It's like, okay. And it's, and, and it's five. So it's still clean up to, yeah, two, three blocks. I don't know. Humble seemed interesting to me to try to trap them with a face down card. Um, and then I think the options start getting worse from there. I tried infectious host for like a minute. It's not happy with that card. I was not super thrilled to have it. I don't know. Maybe there's something out there. I just got to find it. Um, but that's that's pretty much where I'm at with Bolton at the moment. Just got to fix the Lexi matchup. Fair, fair. Lexi's is not as like, diseasy as Azalea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lexi, losing Bullseye Bracer, it does make her weaker. How did you feel when you saw yeah. that pan? I thought it was good. My initial impressions were positive. I, I, I definitely appreciate it over doing nothing. I think that was my worst case scenario was them like saying like, yeah, whatever, just play it out. Let Lexi be the tier one deck. Well, you know, the Rangers deserve it. You know, they deserve to be the tier one deck because I think, I think Lexi's win rate and power level was, was, is, was problematic prior to this. Um, I think she was like a half step above everything else in the format. I don't know that anything else in Dustle Dawn catches up like the heroes to be on the same power level as her. Um, so I guess if you are of the opinion that you still wonder to be like a super powerful, hi- highly played deck at the top tables of tournaments, but not egregiously so, I think Bullseye Bracers was kind of like a smart targeted band. So I, I actually give them a lot of credit for it. Yeah, that that makes sense. I think I think that is their goal. I think they want Lexi to be a 
tier one, at least tier 1.5 deck. I don't think they want her to be oh, bad. Yeah, and I think Brian said so as much as in an article. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. And that's like, that's why they made the, the van they did. So I don't know. Bullseye Bracer, it's kind of weird that it has splash damage into Azalea and Riptide as well, because I, especially Riptide didn't really need to be hit, but it's kind of hard to hit something from Lexi. And if you also want to hit Azalea and not touch Riptide, because Riptide's probably using most cards that both of them are using as well. And three of a kind, it would probably be too harsh because the other ranges don't really play three of a kind, but like, yeah, it's probably too harsh. Probably lowers are too much, do you think? Yeah, I, I think three of a kind is... I think it would have been fine if they banned three of a kind. I think Lexi would have been reasonably nerfed. I think she would have been probably tier 1.5 where she can show up when people aren't respecting her and she, Ice Lexi's still going to be strong where you have this Ice Disruption. I would put her in the pre-Outsiders level, basically, then at that point. Yeah, I, I think Codex of frailty plus infecting shot is a little bit better than three of a kind like i'd rather have those two cards than three of a kind but i and you also get premeditate too if you want it or the other codexes depending on what you want but um i i do think that not banning three of a kind means lexi's going to or i guess just banning bullseye bracer means lexi's going to stay a pretty strong force in the metagame i do kind of like that it kind of makes bolt and shot a card that like you get a lot more value out of blocking. Cause a lot of the time before on their big turns, you would be like, well, if I block this bolt and shot, they're just going to bullseye bracer their other thing. If they have another thing. So sometimes it'll be correct to block the block out the bolt and shot and it'll save, save you a whole era of damage, which is cool. And not an interaction that seemed like it came up that often when you, you would block out the bolt and shot and they're like, okay, I'll bullseye bracer my arrow. Hey, you got mm. me. Yeah, agreed. So I think I think the splash damage to the free arcane kind of helps the heroes like Vincent and Icelander, like the heroes that are looking to do arcane damage a little bit. She now either has to just get the spell void in shock charmers or play null rune gloves, which are way worse than bullseye bracers, obviously. Yeah, yeah, they are definitely so. way worse. <laughs> Yeah. That being said, well, I already we'll expected Lexi to pivot to a heavier ice build anyways, and I don't know how much she cares about this then, but I don't know. Because yeah, Ice Lexi's a little bit happier to play Shock Drummers anyways. Yeah, I, I think even the ice, the heavy ice decks still would prefer to have Bullseye Bracers, but yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll see. I am excited for the new format. Like, Levia, Bolton, and Vincent, or at least Levia and Bolton, I think, are going to be good. I think Vincent's probably good. I think her floor is like, or a lot of her average turns, I shouldn't say floor because her floor is pretty bad. Her floor is just not drawing a blood deck card and dying to her own ability. <laughs> but um, I, I think I'm fairly confident Bolton and Lavia are real decks now, which is exciting. Um, Prism and Vincent, we'll see. I think Vincent probably will get there and Prism will be like a hero that can prey on specific metagames if the wizards ever run wild or guardians then prison will be there and the herald plan might be good enough into the aggro decks if they're cutting poppers though i think with how strong dromai is i would be surprised to see anyone being like yeah i don't need poppers anymore <laughs> yeah for sure dromai is definitely lurking the depths we'll, we'll have to see where she uh shakes out now but yeah exciting times always nice to have new formats 
always nice to have Bolton being at least a, a potential viable deck. So uh, excited to play with more of these cards and uh, hopefully find some really solid decks for Battle Hard in Cincinnati. Yeah, that's two weeks away. We'll see. Hopefully we can bring something spicy. Yeah, hopefully we can get the cards. Yeah, I'm a little worried about working on Levia for two weeks and then Levia's legendary card costing like $300 and or not even being available. That seems... <laughs> I don't know. I hope... I don't I hope think Levia's specialization cards going to be $300, Michael. I don't, I don't think it'll be more expensive than Crown of Providence. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I hope so. I hope I can get a Levia for like a good, good cheap price. I, I'm excited to work on Levia. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, the next time you're buying a Levia Legendary for $300, always remember, <laughs> mind your manners. Yeah.